uh, we looked at the submission of wives this morning. We'll look at what submission looks like for the husband. The Bible says, likewise, you husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. And as being heirs together of the grace of life, let that your prayers be not hindered. Boy, isn't that a sobering statement? All right, men, you got that? All right, let's go home. Heather came to me before service and said, how come it ain't three pages long to outline? <laughs> Let's pray. Father, would you speak? Father, let us be sensitive. Let us be open. Let us be transparent. Let us grow. Let us grow in being a biblical husband. For your honor, your glory, and your namesake. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you go all the way back to the garden, the Garden of Eden, the marriage was sovereignly designed by God. And it was designed in a proper order, in a proper manner. But in the midst of God's design, God's design became polluted by man, not by God, by man. And you say, what do you mean by that? Well, the order in which God designed got reversed in the garden. You say, I don't understand what got reversed. Well, God brought Eve out of Adam's sight. And in the garden, the Bible says that God called their name Adam. Genesis 5. Now you say, what do you mean God called their name Adam? God did not see them as two individuals. God saw them as one. Eve got her name after the fall, and it was given to her by Adam, not by God. And so what happened was two things took place. The first is what led to the fall, which was Adam took from Eve's leadership. Now, don't misunderstand me. We didn't get in the fall because of Eve. We got in the fall because of Adam. The Bible says Eve was deceived. Adam disobeyed. So I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is the order in which God put the marriage together got reversed. And in doing so, now all of a sudden, Adam and Eve became independent. Not God-dependent, independent. And so Adam gave Eve an independent name. But yet God still saw them as one. 
And God saw them through the headship of Adam. Just as he sees us in our salvation through the headship of Christ. Do you think it's accident that the Bible calls us the saved, the bride, and him the bridegroom? Because God sees us through the head, the bridegroom, being Christ. And God saw Adam and Eve through the head being Adam. And therefore there was great responsibility laid upon Adam as the head of God's design for the home. So when you get to this passage, you begin to see how this principle of submission begins to unfold itself, not just in the wife that we looked at this morning, but also in the husband. And you say, well, how do you know it's continuing to talk about submission? Well, go back to chapter 3, verse 1, where it says wives. Notice the first word of the verse. Likewise. Remember, we dealt with that this morning. And we dealt with that in relation to the connective term back to the example of the Lord Jesus at the end of chapter number 2. Well, what is the first word of verse 7? Likewise. So he is connecting us back again. And now all of a sudden there is a submission that now the husbands are now responsible for. Now with the wives it's a submission unto the Lord first and then unto their husbands. But for the husbands the submission is always to the Lord first. But now the submission flows down. Now I want you to look at this with me if you have an outline. I want to begin with the companion, the companionship of a husband. And you say, where you get this word companionship for? This is what it's talking about here. Likewise, you husbands dwell with them. The word dwell simply means to live with. And I'll unpack that more in just a minute. But here's the idea of it. There is the requirement of submission. Likewise, husband. So in other words... Husbands as husbands, we are to be submitted unto the Lord. But listen, Ephesians chapter 5, before it outlines the submission of the wife to the husband, it gives us the admonition, be ye filled with the Spirit. And then he says, here's what being controlled by, which is what filled means, be controlled by the Spirit looks like. And he says, be submissive one to another. Then he says, wives, submit yourself unto your husband. So in other words, there is a joint submission that takes place. Just as a wife is to submit herself to the authority of the husband, as God has designed, there's a submission as well for the husband to the wife. Now, not in rank and order, as we talked about this morning, but submissive to the wife in how God has designed, in what God has given. And we're going to get to what that means in just a moment. But there's a joint submission. How many agree it takes two for a marriage to work? And so there's a joint submission that takes place. So just as Christ was reviled and reviled not again, 
Husbands, I would say to you and me that we need to be and likewise in the same form of submission as Christ lives in us that when you are reviled, when you may be prodded by your wife, you and I do as live as Christ lived or let Christ live through us whereby we do not respond accordingly. Let me tell you something. 90% of marriage counseling that I've done over the years is where somebody has responded in an unbiblical fashion to someone else. And so there's a joint submission that takes place. Now, this is the requirement for a biblical husband. But notice the relationship that is special. This word dwell with has the idea of to live with not only in a volitional way, but to live with in joy. Ecclesiastes verse 9, chapter 9, verse 9 says this. It says in that passage, Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of thy life. So in other words, God's design is not something that should have been cumbersome to us. God's design is something that should be a joyful experience in our life. And you say, well, preacher, you don't know my spouse. Well, I don't, but God does. And therefore, how you respond, how you live with, how you dwell with will go a long ways to how much joy you are enjoying in your marriage. You say, well, preacher... I'm going to have to die a lot. Some of you wives may have to say that. Some of you husbands may have to say that. Well, can I tell you, the Bible says die daily whether you've got a bad wife or a bad husband. I mean, listen, this never works when self is at the center. Now, here's what happens a lot of times. A lot of times people wear their feelings on their sleeve. And because they wear their feelings on their sleeve, they respond according to their feelings. Well, can I tell you today, when you dwell with, husbands, as you dwell with your wife, you dwell with her in joy, and the only way you can dwell with her in joy is to dwell with her dead to self. When you married your spouse, husband or wife, wife to husband, husband to wife, let me ask you a question. Did you find out things about them after you got married you had no idea when you were dating them? All right. So let me ask you a question. Did God know that before he put you all together? So God knew that. God can work through those things. Now, this is a relationship that is special to dwell with, to live with in joy. Now, this involves a couple things because here's what it says. There's a realization that is scriptural. Because there's a realization that you and I as husbands must have. And here's what it is. Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. So how do I live with them in joy? It says, according to knowledge. 
So what does this mean according to knowledge? It implies two things. Some Bible scholars say it just implies intimacy. Other Bible scholars say it just implies instruction. Now you say, preacher, which is it, intimacy or instruction? I would say to you, yes and yes. And you say, what do you mean? Well, according to knowledge, speaks of intimate knowledge. How many of you agree today that God gave us the gift of each other as a husband and wife? And so there's this intimate knowledge of each other. And this come, becomes part of the companionship between a husband and a wife. But at the same time, according to knowledge, I believe speaks of an understanding or an instruction of what it means to be a biblical husband in a biblical marriage according to God's design and according to how God put it together. Now, let me, let me tell you something real quick, okay? And I want you to hear this. If you don't understand what God's Word says about a biblical marriage and a biblical husband, you cannot live with your spouse according to knowledge. You must understand that your spouse is someone that God gifted you with. And as God gifted you with that spouse, God has gifted you with that spouse in a way that now understanding this, you can now live together in a joyful relationship that is spiritual, special, and scriptural. The same wording, according to knowledge, is translated in fear in chapter 3, verse 2, and conscious of God in chapter 2, verse 19. So in other words, it's a knowledge concerning God's order, God's design, God's layout of a husband and you live with them according to knowledge. And when you do that, then guess what? God becomes the focal point. He becomes the priority. And I've said this once, I'll say it a thousand times. Your vertical relationship with the Lord will always determine your horizontal relationship with others, especially in the marriage. If you're out of sorts with your spouse, you're out of sorts with God. The one will always translate into the other. And this is what it means to live according to knowledge. Listen, this is a special thing that God has given. All right, now, that's the companionship of a husband. But I want you to see the consideration of a husband. Look at the next phrase in verse 7. Giving honor unto the wife. Now, what's this word honor mean? Here's what it means. It, it's, it's a term of money. It literally means this, of great price or great value. Giving honor unto your wife. What does that mean? That you have prized her. You have valued her more than anything this world could pay or buy for you. I like to tell people all the time, I'm married above my pay grade. And I did. And husbands, if you understand anything about the Bible, you did too. And so it's to value your spouse, value your wife. And I, I, I did it this way, okay? I broke it down this way. The esteeming of your wife. 
to so value your wife that you become partners with her and you become one with her in every aspect of your life. Now, I want you to listen to me. I know I'm about to rub some folks wrong. I know I'm about to say some things that's going to cause people to turn me off, but you're going to love me and get over it. Y'all say amen. amen. Being one with your spouse does not mean you have two separate checking accounts. You've got yours, i got mine. You do what you want to do, I'll do what I want to do. That's not living one with your spouse. I have people come to me all the time and they want counseling, and I ask them some simple questions, and they tell me that, and I say, well, here's where you start. You do away with that, and you get one together. If you can't function together with one account, you can't function together as a couple. Y'all say amen. Let me tell you, let me tell you the three things that destroys marriages. Money, unfaithfulness, and children. You say, why you say children? Because most people fight on how to handle children. But there has to be a oneness. There has to be a esteeming, valuing your wife, lifting her up, esteeming her as of great price, of great value, to be much prized, to be much taken care of, to be much cherished. Can I ask you a question, question, husband? We will say we cherish our wives. But does our wives know from our actions that we cherish her? This is what it means. That we're to honor our wives. Now, let me show you this in Scripture. If you'll turn to Ephesians chapter 5, and I want you to see what this honoring of your wife looks like. How many agree you can't honor your wife if you don't love them correctly? All right, watch what it says. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives even as... Now, I want to translate. In the exact same way. That's what even as means. Even as Christ, what? Loved the church and did what? Gave himself for. Can I ask you a question today? What does that mean? Hey, how, what kind of love did Christ show towards the church? By the way, he gave his life for the church before the church was a church. He gave his life for the church on the basis of what he knew about you and what he knew about me before God would ever save us. In other words, he loved us in spite of us and he gave himself in spite of us. So how are we as husbands to love our wives? In the same way Christ loved us. That means your love to your wife, husbands, are you listening? Your love to your wife is not based upon whether you agree with her, not based upon whether she does something right or wrong, cooks something good or bad, don't clean the house or does clean the house. By the way, listen, your love is based upon his love in you, lived out through you towards her, and it's the same love that he loved you with. Because Christ values. His bride. 
So much so he was willing to give his life volitionally that his bride could be his bride. That is what it means to honor your wife. But it also involves this. Honoring your wife not only is to esteem her, but it's to edify her. Husbands, we are to always be about building up our wives. That's what the word edify means. We're to be about edifying our wives. We're to lift them up. We're not to tear them down. Every word that comes out of our mouth that tears down we ought to repent and confess before God. You say, preacher, do you not ever act in the flesh? I do. That's the reason repentance is a every moment, every day occurrence for every born-again believer. And so to honor her is to value her as precious. And if you value her as precious, then here's the reality you're not going to tear down what's the most precious to you. Are y'all hearing me? This is what it's talking about. So you see first the companionship of the husband. Dwell together. You see the consideration of the husband. Honor, esteem, give great value to in love and in edification. Notice the compassion of the husband. Likewise, you husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. Now, wives, before you get all riled up on me here, let me unpack what that means and what it doesn't mean. When it uses the term weaker vessel here, it's not talking in the matter of inferior in intellect, in spiritual, or anything like that. Here's what it's talking about. It's talking about the weaker vessel from a physical strength standpoint. So why does it say honor your wives as unto the weaker vessel? Here's what it means. That husbands, we are to be three things to our wives. We are to be the priest of our home. Now, I've went over these before you once before, but I want to unpack them a little different than I've ever had. You're going to find out just a minute that husbands and wives, as God sees us, are on equal levels of spiritual, how he sees us spiritually. How many agree God sees our wives through Christ just as he sees us through Christ? So there's not a degree here. So why is the husband to be the priest? Here's what it means. It doesn't mean that you're the one that intervenes between your wife and God. That's not what it means. But here's what it does mean. You ought to be the example, the lead, of the spiritual appetite of your family. 
You ought to be the one that sets the temperature of the spirituality of your family. You ought to be the one that is in front of the spiritual growth and spiritual well-being of your family. You say, well, preacher, I can't make my wife grow any faster than she grows. You can't. But how many of you agree today as wives are to be examples to the lost husbands? Husbands, you ought to be an example to a wife who is saved but yet needs to know what a biblical example looks like. You are to be the priest of the home. You're to be the provider of the home. Now, that does not mean that a wife can't have income. That's not what it means. But here's what it means. It means that the husband is to be the main source of the provision for the home. Now you say, why is that? Well, culturally of that day, in that day, which this was written, women didn't work at all. And they either survived by having a husband or without a husband, a lot of women had to beg. And that was just the culture of that day. I'm glad we don't live in that culture today. Y'all say amen. But at the same time, husbands, you are to be the example of the provision of your home. Let me put it to you another way. Y'all may find this amazing. I hope you don't. Women were created different than men. Does that shock anybody in this room? Men, for the most part, were created analytically, factually. Women were created feelings. And men, if you don't know that about your wife, you are in trouble. And you say, why is that important to being a provider of my home? You are to be the one that your wife can look at other than the Lord Jesus. How many agree? Her trust ought to be in the Lord first and foremost. How many agree the Lord's the divine provider? But the Lord also works through us as husbands. And you ought to be a vessel for your wife whereby she feels secure and she feels satisfied. Not with wants, but with needs. That's what it means to be the provider. Thirdly, you are to be the protector of the home. Now, a lot of times when we think protector of the home, we think sitting in our front door with a gun. It's not what it means. We think it's just trying to protect someone coming into our house. Listen, here's what it means. That as the protector of the home, the husband is to guard the home against any influence that would disrupt the spiritual temperature of that home. 
So in other words, the husband is to be the guard concerning what is watched, what is listened to, what is heard, what is talked about, what is done inside the home. The husband is to be the one that is the protector of the home, not just physically, but the protector of the home spiritually. And this is what it means as a weaker vessel. Because, it, it's again, it's not talking about insuperiority versus superiority. It's talking about this. Listen, women, you are on the same level spiritually, intellectually as us as husbands. But at the same time, God has set an order whereby we, the Bible says that the wife is the helpmeet to the husband. The husband, let me tell you something, is God's gift to the wife in a different way that the wife is a gift to the husband. But jointly, you're both gifts to each other. And this is what it's talking about. This is what it's saying. Now, notice the fourth thing, the consecration of the husband. Now watch this. I want to show you how on an equal footing you are, women to men. Watch what it says. And as being heirs together of the grace of life. Now there, remember, there's two words for life in the Greek text primarily. There is suke, which means your natural life. And then there is zoe, which means your spiritual life. So when it says we are heirs together of this life, this, this spiritual life, the grace of life, what is it talking about? It means that you and I, as born-again believers, husband and wife, born-again believers, guess what? You are joint heirs of the spiritual life of the Lord Jesus. In other words, wives, your husband didn't get more than you did. And husbands, your wife didn't get less than you did and didn't get more than you did. In other words, God saved one just like he saved the other. And you got just what your husband's got. Husbands, you just got what your wife's got. And you got all you need and you got all you could ever want. And you are joint heirs together in the grace of life. What does this mean? Joint heirs, grace of life. It's a common possession. You and us, husbands and wives, are, have the gracious gift of eternal life equally. And as the gracious gift of eternal life equally, here's the reality. We have a joint companionship in our fellowship with the Lord. So there's a common possession. But there's a common progression. Heirs together in the grace of life means this. That as I as a husband grows in grace and knowledge, guess what? I ought to be bringing along my wife to grow in grace and knowledge as well. Because here's what happens in most marriages. Either the wife leaves the husband behind or the husband leaves the wife behind in their spiritual growth. And I want you to listen. When it says that we are one, that doesn't just mean physically. That means spiritually. And we are grow together. Now you say, well, preacher, don't everybody grow the same? They don't. But here's what I'm getting at. Husbands, you are to see 
that you do not take off in your relationship with God and leave your wife to her do or her own thing. Are you with me? That's what it means. Because you're heirs together. Now, here's the last component of it. So when it all comes to an end, when we all meet the Lord in the air, when, when we all come and we serve in the eternal kingdom, guess what? All of us are going to serve on the same footing. Here's what will not be in heaven. The Bible says there's no marriage or given in marriage in heaven. Now, I'm going to say this delicately, but I'm going to say it precisely. A lot of people all the time tell me, I can't wait till I get to heaven to see so-and-so. I got news for you. When you get to heaven, not only will you not desire to see so-and-so, the only desire you'll have is to see Jesus. And even if you are conscious of so-and-so, you will not be conscious of them in the same way you were here on earth. Because God will not allow love to be divided or love to be competed against him. And if there's marriage and given in marriage in heaven, in other words, if you have the same love relationship with your grandparents or your spouse or whoever it may be that's in heaven, then here's the thing. Then your affection is going to be competing against the Lord Jesus. But I got news for you. When you get to heaven, there's only going to be one focus of your affection because you're going to be made like Christ. And when you're made like Christ, the only focus of your affection is going to be Jesus Christ and him alone. And your husband, your wives will be on the same footing. Y'all still love me, right? This is what it means. Now, fifthly and lastly, the consciousness of a husband. Now, husbands, listen. All that was introduction to get to this last point. If you remember back when we looked at the wives, and we read in verse 4 that the ornament be a meek and quiet spirit which is inside of God the great price. Remember we closed out with the reward of a biblical wife. Y'all remember that? Say amen. Well, he doesn't close out with a reward. He closes out with a warning. What's the warning? That if I as a husband or we as husbands do not dwell with our wives according to knowledge. Do not give honor unto our wives as the weaker vessel. Are not heirs together in the grace of life. Then your prayers will be hindered. Here's what it means. Psalm 66, 18 says, If you regard iniquity in your heart, God will not hear you. Seven times in Scripture it says that there are seven sins in Scripture where God will not hear your prayers. Husbands, I want you to listen to me. Your prayer life. How many of you agree today that you cannot have intimate fellowship with God without an active prayer life? Do you all agree with that? Say amen. Your intimacy with the Lord is directly correlated to your relationship with your wife. 
And if husbands were not functioning as God has designed us to function, our prayers will not be heard. Oh, it's not that God's deaf. It's not that God's not listening. God chooses not to listen. Because what happens if I'm not walking in the design of me as a husband to my wife that I'm grieving the Spirit of God in me? And how many of you agree today that your prayer life is solely based upon the controlling aspect of the Holy Spirit of God? How do I know what to pray without the Holy Spirit? And if I grieve and quench the Holy Spirit because I'm not walking in God's design, then I'm praying amiss. I'm praying selfishly. I'm praying according to what I think. And let me tell you something. God will not hear. This is the warning. So husbands, here's what I would say to you and to me. Your relationship with your wife is essential to your relationship with the Lord. Now, I want to close by saying this, okay? I want y'all to listen real carefully, okay? Y'all still love me? Say amen. amen. I want you to listen. We're still human. Husbands, how many of you would agree by lifting your hand? You've blown it from time to time. I can look at my wife right now and I can tell her with all sincerity, honey, I've blown it many times. And I would bet every husband in here could say the same thing. But here's what a biblical model is. When you have these discussions, Who's the first one to humble themselves and apologize? Who's the first one to say, I'm so sorry? Husbands, it ought to be us. Because we need to be examples to our wives who God gave to us. that not only they can live joyfully and we can live joyfully together. But now watch this. As we, as a husband and wife, are jointly fit one with another, would you agree with that? Say amen. The Bible uses the same term for the church. Me and my wife as one are jointly fit with each of you as one. Me and my wife's relationship not only affects my prayer life, our prayer life, but it affects what God is able to do in this family. Because I'm going to say it again, I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. God never separated the physical family from the family of the church. 
ever. In God's eyes, they are just continuous units of each other. And we're jointly fit together, one with another. So the ramifications of our relationship with our spouse carries over into this family. Just as it carries over into the family of my home. It's essential. Well, Father, I come to you today. Father, I thank you first and foremost for the gift that you've given me. And Father, I thank you for the gift that you've given every husband. And Father, I thank you that you've given us the privilege to be companions, to be partners with our spouse. But you've given us privilege, Father, as husbands to be the provider and protector and priest of our home. You've given us the privilege as husband and wife to be joint heirs of this so great salvation that we so enjoy. Father, maybe tonight, just like this morning, maybe tonight there's some husbands that just need to go to their wives and say, I'm sorry. And I love you. And you are a precious, priceless gift that God has given me. And I want to be a biblical husband to you. Father, I pray you'd work this in us tonight. In Jesus' name. All God's children said,